year, but God had a message for me, and that message was uh, to that, the fact that, hey, before you start going to do something for me, I want you to know I've never called you to do something for me. I've called you to be with me. And that truth of, of abiding in the vine, the longer we have studied it and the longer we have been seeking the truth, the more and more God is, is doing a work in my life that I, I really feel like is going to be a, a work that is going to permanently change my life, but certainly my relationship with Christ. And, and I think I could keep going for a few more weeks, but I know the Lord is having me, me bring it down to a close today. But just with the whole idea of as we start this new year... Don't, don't go do something for me. Come to be with me. And I'll do the work in you that can then be done through you. Make your branches available. I'll produce the fruit. And that, that truth has been really, really just helpful for me. But coming, coming to bringing the series to a close, I want to end by just addressing a simple, but I think just a, a very important question. And we've learned about Jesus being the vine, the father being the, the pruning vine dresser, the branches simply being called to abide and the fruit that grows on our branches truly being the divine nature of Christ. I guess I want to end with just asking this question. What is the ultimate purpose of abiding in Christ? Why? Jesus gives his Beautiful illustration that there doesn't leave any question on what he desires. A branch apart from the vine can do nothing. It will die and wither. But what's the ultimate purpose of abiding in Christ? And, and, and I, I started to try to give a complete answer and realize if I did, it would go another couple weeks. And I know that's not what the Lord has. So this is going to be more of a concise answer. But just taking everything that we've, we've gone over these last couple weeks in John 15 and just bringing it to a close. What is the ultimate purpose of abiding in Christ? The first thing I want to mention to you is that abiding in Christ is how we become more like Christ. See, when we bear the fruit, when our branches bear the fruit that the vine dresser desires, and, and if you, I know that I'm going to kind of bring all of these weeks into today, and you may not have heard every single message, but we looked one week about what is the fruit. And the fruit that we looked at, we realized it is the fruit that is the divine nature of God. The very fruit of the Spirit is what God is looking to produce in us. And it is the nature of the vine taking its nature into the branches so that the branches become the same nature as the vine. And then the fruit that is produced off the branches, if you were to open it up, it's the same nature that is the vine. And, and one of the things that we have to understand is that the divine nature of the vine flows into the branches, resulting in fruit. And it means the vine, the branch, and the fruit are all the same. It's why Jesus said in these verses, John 15, 7, he said, my words in you. John 15, 9, abide in my love. John 15, 11, that my joy, Jesus says, may be in you, which takes us back to another couple of verses that we looked at on one week, which was 2 Peter chapter number 1. And, and, and I'm only going to highlight this because we already talked about these verses, but in those, those words that I've highlighted, so that through them, them, the promises of God, 
the revealing of God, all found in the Word of God, so that through the Word of God, you may become partakers of the divine nature. God wants us, through His Word, to become more like His Son. And so abiding in Christ is how we become more like Christ. We don't become more like Christ by doing more for Him, We don't become more like Christ by trying to copy his words and his actions. We become more like Christ by abiding in Christ. And if I could take you back to something we we looked at last year, as we behold the glory of God, we just behold the glory of God, we become like the glory of God. So why abide in the vine? So that I and you can become more like the vine, Jesus. Secondly, abiding in the vine is how we receive the promises of God. Abiding in the vine is how we receive the promises of God. We looked again at John chapter 15, verse number 7, where Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, the if is the qualifier. If you abide in me and if my words abide in you, just get this promise. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We addressed the meaning of this verse a few weeks ago that Jesus is speaking in the context of the fruit that we bear. If there's a portion of the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the long-suffering, the patience, the goodness, if we're missing that, all we have to do is ask. Because we're already connected to the vine. The divine nature is waiting to flow through us. And we see these promises that Jesus continues to give that if you abide in me, if you are in me and I in you, you can ask the Father. Let me just show you a few more verses from the next chapter, John 15, 16. I'm sorry, that's the same chapter. John 15, 16 says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In John 16, as Jesus continues the same conversation with the same group of people, the disciples, he says this to them, and this is so interesting. In that day, and he's talking about when he goes away to the Father. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And then in John 7, in John, later in John 16, just a few verses later, we see these, these words. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. And understanding the context here is so important. Jesus is talking to his disciples who have always had a Jewish priest go to the Father on their behalf. It's what we just sang about where where the curtain was torn in two. Up until this time, these men, these Jewish disciples couldn't go to the Father. The priest had to go to the Father on their behalf. And Jesus is saying there's going to come a day where you can go to the Father. 
Just ask in my name and he will give you whatever you want. And we have to understand that doesn't mean ask what I want and attach in Jesus' name. Amen. And now receive it. It's almost as if you could think of a signature code uh, at the bottom of, of something. I want this. Would Jesus sign off like he would want that too in his name? Because if, if Jesus would sign off on it, you're going to get it from the Father. That's so awesome. To see, in abiding in Christ, we, we get these promises of God. And I say, well, what promises? The promises that are contained in the good news of the gospel. Promises like we sang about this morning. In Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation. Now, we have found forgiveness of sin and guilt and shame. Like 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says we actually can receive the righteousness of God. In Colossians chapter 2, where it says Christ is the fullness of God, and in him we have been filled with God. And in Galatians chapter 2, where it says we're crucified with Christ, but now Christ lives in me. That's a promise. The final verses of Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Isn't that such good news? Ephesians 1 3 that says we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. 2 Corinthians 1 that says every promise of God is yes in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 that says the promises of Abraham become ours and later on it would say that through our faith in Christ we become sons of God. All of that comes from abiding in Christ. The good news of the promises of the gospel become ours. And Jesus says to his disciples, just ask the Father. Because he loves you. And he wants to give it to you. And this truth became really clear to me this week. I was... Monday, I went to visit a friend, pastor friend in, in North Carolina. And he was a youth pastor when I was a youth pastor. And now we're both pastoring. And I got to spend some time with him on, on Monday. And he was only about 90 minutes from, from where Trevor is at Bob Jones. And so um, after I was with him on Monday afternoon, I drove down and uh, got to spend some time with, with my niece who lives in Greenville, South Carolina. And Trevor came over. And next day, I picked him up after his morning classes. And we went out for lunch and had a great time. We got back in the car and, and, and I had a few hours before I needed to uh, turn around and head home. So I said, Trev, what do you need? What can I get you? And he, he, he thought and he said, I don't need anything. And I'm like, oh, like at, at first you're kind of like proud of your son, you know, like, I mean, here's a kid that's in, in college. He's, he's living his own life on his own and, and I'm, I'm offering him what, what do you need? And he just says, I said, well, well, look, look, I've got some time. I want to spend some money on you. What do you, what do you want? And he thought, and he's like, Dad, I don't need anything. And I said, I'm, I'm thrilled that you don't need anything. What do you want? What, what, what can I do to give you something because like in my heart i'm like i have some money that i want to I, I know i don't have to spend money on you to know i love you but i want to i want to lavish on you a little bit and what do you need what what, what kind of, and he finally just said well i can use an ankle brace 
Oh, that, that's so exciting for a dad to come. Uh, buy an ankle brace. So uh, I said, well, where do you want to go? He's like, well, CVS has, and I'm like, look, let's, let's get you a good ankle brace. And so we went over to Dick's Sporting Goods, and he took about 10 minutes and picked out a, an ankle brace, and he's like, oh, okay. And I said, how about a sweatshirt? I don't need a sweatshirt. Some shorts? No. Some shoes? That I don't, I don't need anything. We went and paid for his ankle brace and walked out and there was a, another store close by and I said, well, come on in. And I told him a little bit of money and I said, I said you can spend this much. Just, just get, get something because I'm not going home only buying you an ankle brace. We got back to the college and, and he started to walk me around and told me where his classes were and where the, showed me the dining hall and, 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 and got to go into his dorm room and I met uh, some of his friends I got back in the car to, to go home. And I, I wasn't sad that I was leaving my son. He, I was like, he's, God's really doing a work in his life. He's doing great. And I didn't turn the radio on because I needed to know the GPS on how to get to the, to the uh, to expressway to, to head back home. And so I'm driving in silence so I could look at the GPS. And, and I got on the expressway finally. And I just, I just continued to drive in silence. And I'm like replaying this, this time with Trevor and and. And yet also thinking through some of these verses that I've been studying and, and I began to think like, man, I'm really glad he finally told me something he wanted because I wanted to give him something, but he just wouldn't ask. I'm so glad he finally asked for something so I could just love on him a little bit. And I was thinking how, how glad I was, how much more of his life I felt when I got to see, you know, he would tell me about going to classes, but I got to see the classes and I got to actually walk into the dining hall, stuff we couldn't do with COVID restrictions at the beginning of the year. And I got to, to do all this stuff and I, and I felt like, man, I, I understand so much more of his life now that I just got to walk with him and meet some of his friends. And I'm driving and all of a sudden, like just, just all of a sudden, this wave comes crashing over me like, God's my father. How often do I sit at my kitchen table in the morning and I, and I read a devotional and I read my Bible and I, I study to know more of him, but I shut the Bible and I shut the book and then I get up and I spend the rest of my day, not meaningful, but the rest of my day doing it on my own. I thought, man, I, I just love getting to see the dining hall. How stupid is that? But I really enjoyed it because now I know more of his life. And I'm like, God, have I ever just been so aware as I was walking down the hallway at the church that, God, this is where I work. Come here and let me show you my office. Come here and let me, let me just... Come take a ride with me and let me just drive you around this place where we live. And you're like, God already knows. I know, but as my father, I gotta imagine that he wants to be more a part of my everyday life. And then I thought how, how I, my, my, there was a time in the parking lot where Trevor wouldn't ask me for something. And I'm like, would you just ask me so I can show you how much I love you? <laughs> you know, like, ah. And, and I just thought, I mean, most of my time in prayer with God, I'll be real honest with you, I'm not asking him for stuff because I look at everything he's already given me. 
Look at all that I have, and I don't, I don't want God to ever feel like I need more than what he has already blessed me with. But when it hit me that as a father, I just, I desire to ask him, and I was going back to these verses where Jesus is like, just ask the father, he loves you. And so I, I picked four things on the way home on Monday, and I just, just said, God, I don't need any of this for you to show me that you love me. I don't need one of these I know how much you love me. But I picked two things for other people, and I picked two things that I won't tell anybody about. And God doesn't have to do it to, to prove himself, but it's, it's like if those two things come true, if, the, if they're answered, it is going to be like only God. But one of those two things that I was praying for for someone else was I was like, God, would you please, would you please work in Jennifer's life? Would you please give her a clean, a clean report when that biopsy comes back? He doesn't need to. He's a very good God, whether he answers my prayers or not. But I was like, that would be one, one area, Lord, where if you answered that, I would like know that was you. And, and, and when Jennifer texted me on, on Friday and I got that and was really excited, Jay. I was so excited for you, and I was so excited for Jennifer, and I was so thankful for Daniel and Philip and Laney that that, that that was the report that came back. But I'll be honest with you, after I was thankful for your sake, I sat back and I was like, thanks, Dad. Thank you, thank you. And that's what Jesus wants for all of his disciples to experience. The Father will give you what you ask if you ask it in his name. And just sit back and watch. I was, I know it just kind of changed for me is, is thinking of God as the Father after experience now with Trevor. And I, I want just to be more aware and be more specific in my praying. Not because God has to, but because if he's asking, what do you want? I'm going to tell him what I want and then just let him do what he knows best. And finally, why abide in Christ? Because abiding in Christ not only makes me more like Christ, but it also is how we enjoy the presence of God. So all throughout Scripture, we find that Jesus is God. So anything God has, Jesus has. And, and he makes that very clear in John 16, 15. Jesus says, all the Father has is mine. Meaning anything the Father has is accessible to Jesus at any time. And I think it's in Matthew 26 where, where his disciples pull out a sword and they're going to chop the head off of the ones coming to uh, arrest Jesus in the garden. He's like, put your sword away. Don't you know that if I were just to ask my Father, he'd give me legions of angels. I just got to ask. So if you know Jesus can ask for anything, like wouldn't you be interested in what he asks the Father for? He's got anything he wants. So what does Jesus ask the Father? 
And that answer comes after he's, he's done teaching this whole conversation. Started in John 13 with the, with the Last Supper. And, and we referenced that last week as we, we talked about washing the feet. And John 14 where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John 15 where he talks about being the vine. And John 16 where he talks about going away but sending the comforter to be with his disciples. And it all comes to a close and then he turns his attention from his disciples and he goes to prayer to his father in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. And I just want to read John 17 to you, with you. We're going to read the whole chapter. And the idea is, if Jesus can ask for anything, what is he going to ask for? And it's kind of broken up into three parts. The first is Jesus and the Father, and he's talking about himself. And then he turns his attention to the actual 11 disciples in his presence. Like, I'm praying for these. And then, about verse 20 or 21, he's going to say, and I'm not going to just pray for these in front of me, but for those who would hear their word and believe. And that's us. So what was Jesus going to pray for himself? For his disciples? And what is Jesus going to pray for us? John chapter 17, verse number one. And we're going to read the whole chapter. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So what does Jesus ask for himself? Glorify me, not so that people see me, but so that through you glorifying me, you will receive glory. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know them in open to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves i have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as i am not of the world i do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And I'm going to pause right there. What is Jesus asking for his disciples? Father, that you keep them from the evil one. Protect them. And give them my joy. That's what Jesus already said, though, in the vine. And in chapter number 15, he said that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. And he's already said that. And so now he's saying to the, to the Father, Lord, allow them to have my joy in them. And please keep them from the evil one. That's all he asks. And then in verse 20, everything changes. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So this is Jesus asking the Father on our behalf. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me. And I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you, do you see what Jesus asks for us just hours before he goes to the cross? Father, I want my love to be in them just as your love is in me. And, and I want to be in them just as you're in, in me. And the prayer of Jesus is nothing different than what he has already explained to us in John 15. Abide in me. Become a part of me just as I am in the Father. And his prayer is, Father, may my children, my disciples, may they know your love and experience the unity and relationship that we experience. May they experience the same And like, I know that when you, when you first hear that, I mean, you got to think, Jesus could ask to be delivered. He could ask to go back to heaven. He could ask for angels to come. He could ask for mankind to face the justice we deserve. And his prayer is, let them experience the unity, the oneness that we know. And that oneness is really important because like, 
I think it's the end of John 16. Jesus tells his disciples, you will all leave me, but I will not be alone for the father is with me. That's a powerful statement. And that is what Jesus wants for, for us. Which means that the, the purpose of abiding, the ultimate purpose in abiding in Christ is not about fruit. Fruit bearing is not the purpose of abiding. Fruit bearing is a product of abiding. But the ultimate purpose for abiding in Christ is so that we as his disciples can experience the same unity with the Father that Jesus himself has. So when he says, abide in me, it's the invitation to a relationship with the Father that we cannot have apart from Christ. And that, that's not even the most amazing thing. You know what the most amazing thing is? What Jesus does for us to experience this unity. The prayer is one thing. He prays, Father, can they, can they please experience this unity? But what he does in order for us to experience this unity, he initiates our relationship with the Father by taking our sins upon him, fully aware that those actions will break the union with the Father he so desires for us to have. The only way we find the unity with the Father is for him to be separated from the Father. The thing he loves the most, he's willing to give up so that we can experience the thing he loves the most. What a Savior! What a God! What a friend! Because you go back to the Garden of Eden when God created the Garden of Eden. It was all about God and man being together. And man ruined it. We are responsible for the fall, but God doesn't turn his back. He pursues man. Covenants saying, I want to be with you. Laws saying, this is how we can dwell together. A temple and a tabernacle where God says, I will bring my presence here. And yet all throughout the Old Testament, man continues to just ruin it. He gives sacrifices so that we could find atonement when we ruin it. But it doesn't work. And so God's pursuit of man, this unity that God wants with man, finally comes to a culmination in saying, man continues to ruin it. So I'll fix it. By sending my son. And Jesus fulfills every covenant. He keeps every law. He becomes the sacrifice so that we, our bodies, can be the temple of God so that we can have permanent union with the Father. And, and so what? We, we read about the vine. Great. We read John 17, Jesus' prayer. That was really nice. Are you almost done, Pastor? Because it's time to go. Or, or is it 
God was willing to go to that length to be with me. What does he want to do with me? Oh, what does he want to do with you? I'll tell you this. He doesn't want you to do something for him. That's not the point of him saving us is not to go be his servants to do something for him. He calls us to be with him. And as, he's, as we're with him, he actually sends us out on a mission. It's, it's a great mission. We know it as the great co-mission. Co-mission. Because it's a mission that we go on together with him. He doesn't send us. He goes with us. For what purpose? Do you remember as we read in Matthew, or as we read in John 17, why does Jesus want that union to be seen so that the world may know him? We are to have such a relationship and unity with the Father that where we go out there with the Father, the world says, wow, I want that. But how many Christians look just like the world? And there isn't that desire to say, what, what do you have? So Jesus says in Matthew 28, as he commissions his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And we know this is the great commission, but it's not done yet. The last line of verse 20 makes it the co-mission. And behold, I am with you always to the end of an age. So we live in such a way that people see a difference in the world around us so that we have a chance to tell them of our unity with the Father just as Jesus prayed for and therefore we get to make disciples. And we die to ourselves in such a way that people around us see us living for another more than living for ourselves and they wonder why would you live for someone other than yourself and we tell them about the unity that we have that we've been crucified with Christ so that he can live in me so that I can have the unity with the Father and we can share God with them so that they can know we get to make disciples. We live every day on mission with Christ. To display the glory of God to others, which should result in making new disciples who can then display the glory of God to others, resulting in new, new disciples. We've said this that Mount Carmel is a disciple making community. We're all about making disciples. We're doing it with hearts of faith. I mean, we believe. Jesus, Jesus said in John 17, they have believed. We do it with hearts of faith. Moved into action by the promises of God that are contained in the gospel, that are made available to us by abiding. And so as we look next week to Ron Davis being here, he's on a co-mission with God going to Poland. Do you want a co-mission with him? 
And as we bring in these local missions and ministries uh, over the month of March, the whole idea is, is how, can we, how can we take our unity with the Father that Jesus prayed so desperately for us to have on display beyond the borders, on display to the community around us so that the glory of God can be seen and new disciples can be made. That's what it's all about. Why abide in the vine? For the glory of God. Not so you can do something for him. So that he can do something in you, as Aaron has said continuously, in you to work through you to the people around us. Would you pray with me? And Father, I, I would just love to continue going on in John 15. God, this just, just seems the deeper you go, the, the sweeter it becomes. You are such a good God. And to know that, that your pursuit of man, it just continued on and on and on until you knew that the pursuit that men would continue to run. So you brought your son and said, I have to end my relationship with you. You will ask me why. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is, because you prayed for me to have unity with them. The only way that I can have unity with man is for, for me to break unity with you. And why would Jesus do that? Because Jesus knew what the Father wants most is to have that unity with man. Going to all the ends of the earth with us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you have never placed your faith and trust in the work that Jesus has done for you and that alone as your hope for heaven, then you're not on commission. He's trying desperately to awaken you to the goodness of a relationship with the Father. It's what He wants for you most. And if you have received Christ as your Savior and He's living in you, the question is, are you, are you working for Him or are you abiding in Him? If you're abiding in Him, the fruit is just a product. It will, it will happen if you just abide. But that abiding isn't sitting. That abiding is knowing that He is with you wherever you go, on mission to the world around you. Who needs to see the glory of God in your life? Who needs to hear about the special unity and relationship that you have with the Father? Who needs to hear about that so that they can experience the same unity? And may I ask, would you as a church, would you just simply to God say, Hey, Father, these next couple of weeks, there are going to be opportunities to go on mission with you, to, to be on to commission, co-mission with you. Lord, work in my heart and show me not what I can do for you, but what you desire to do with me for your glory and for the community around us to know you. Like I know you, like Jesus knows you so that more and more disciples of Christ can be made.
Father, I pray that you would be with this church. We would not be content with where we are, but that we would want to draw deeper and deeper into you and open ourselves up more and more to whatever you want to flow into us, resulting in divine fruit. Church, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to give you a few moments for you to talk to the Lord on your own and listen for his voice. Maybe you need to invite him along on your week this week. Maybe you can pray for something specific, not not blessings. You've already received every blessing, but something specific the Father can do for you. Would you rejoice in the unity Jesus brings you with the Father? And would you say, God, you show me and I will be on commission with you.